What does it take to become an elite 40K player? How do the top competitors overcome bad dice? The Competitive 40K Network presents Art of War Unbroken. Insight into the game plans of the top players on the planet with your hosts, Blake Law and the Art of War Coaches. Welcome back to the Art of War Unbroken. Now, this is part two of the episode. If you haven't listened to part one, go and check it out. I am joined, as always, by this year's Rocket Top GT champion, Mr. Brad Chester. That's all you get. All you get is Rocket Top this year. This is it. That's it. Uh, you get nothing more. That's that's literally your intro for part two. Okay. You'll always be home sweet home to me. Good old Rocket Top. Woo, Rocket Top Tennessee. There you go. I want to say something real quick before we continue on. If you were going to say who was your MVP over the weekend and what <laughs> units on the cutting board, what would you go with? Me? Yep. Who's on the cutting board? Who's your MVP over the weekend and who's on the cutting board? The chopping block is going to be. The MVP would be the chaplain. And on the cutting board are Blade. Blade guard. Yeah, that makes sense. I can see that. I can see that definitely. Brad, that was that's Brad's Mona Lisa, by the way. Because um, he steals it every episode, by the way. Ooh, I've sold it for a lot, a lot yeah. of episodes in a row. And we always do it at different times. Sometimes part one, sometimes part two. We don't even know. You and, opened uh, with it one time. Yeah. <laughs> steal it from me. Wow. Yeah. We haven't introduced our guest yet. This is uh Brian Bam Bam Hunter. <laughs> he's playing Space Wolves. He lost the Tyranids. He's won a lot of stuff this year. He's doing a spectacular job. He's probably number one Space Wolves if I had to speculate. Um, I didn't look. We'll see, but there's, seen, there's some killers out there. Yeah. Like so, Connor's a killer. Jaime's a killer. So yeah. there's, there's some good guys out there. Rock. Both of them have been on the show talking Space Wolves. You're number three. Yeah. And I feel like this is your year, man. Talking to you. I like the list. I like the vibes. I feel like you're, I feel like you're going to overtake my boy Hunter this year. Man, you're going to lie me in playing Space Wolves the rest of the year. And I'm going to have no excuse to meta hop. So yeah, no, no hopping, man. You got to beat, you got to beat Hunter. You, uh, Hunter was playing some Tau, I thought. Oh yeah, you guys. Is he you. really? Oh, I'm, about to, I'm texting him right now. As we film this episode, I'm going to text him and talk crap for him to play his towel. Yeah, there was, he was. Uh, on, Brad, what we got? What we got? So first off, what am I, th- am I thinking? What am I thinking? I'm just going to make up words today. English is hard, and it's my only language, so I'm just going to screw that up as much as I can. Going into there, you had a couple things that I was thinking of because this list had a couple different little. It, it was a standard tournament list with a, a couple tweaks on it. It had a little hot sauce with the Turvagon and the thirty Gaunts. In the mission, we have that YOLO solo warrior that ended up surviving out, uh, scoring eight points in Teleport Homer. Looking back on that, was there a t- any chance that you could have zoomed in on those? Because of the fact that I'm you know, looking through the list, after he took Teleport Homer, he didn't have a ton of things that he could take Teleport Homer with. And I was thinking to myself, if was there any chance in the game that you could have made uh, an aggressive move on that? Or were you always kind of putting yourself too far in the open if you're extending out on those warriors? So on that side of the board, because you know the scouring, so basically it's like number five on the dice, I think, as far as where the objectives are. I had Blade Guard on that that objective originally behind a room and uh he had one wave warriors that came out of the drop pod and another wave that came that sat back and i just i don't know what happened but he put warriors i killed the one unit his warriors 
you know, I probably shouldn't have taken the bait and I probably should have stayed back and played a little bit more cagey, which I think has been honestly the biggest lesson I've had to learn in winning with the Space Wolves is that sometimes it's okay to be caged. Like sometimes it's okay to, you know, you need to really pick your battles instead of thinking you have to go to every, every, every fight you're invited to. And that's really <laughs> what happened. <laughs> now, all, I, I want to talk tactics on that, but I, I blew my mind for a second because all I kept thinking was me, you getting a invitation that says you are cool. Cordially invited to this scrum. Were <laughs> yeah. you? Uh, and, uh, you don't want to Ricky Bobby it, man. You, well, you, you can't. can't you can always. You can always Ricky Bobby Space Wolves. You, well, you have to yeah. try so hard because of the fact that. Let's be honest. If we're going to go with every Marine on this, not to give you the total gloom and doom, but if you're playing with Marines, you don't have the most efficient data slates right now. You got hit with a couple of right. nerves, and all the new codices have a little bit more bang for their buck. So not that you don't have all the damage in the universe. Holy crap. You mean there's 25-point warriors that get all their upgrades for free? Aren't, aren't <laughs> <your coffee>? <laughs> <Like>. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I wasn't going to go there, but yes, but also... But when you look at it, though, you you, you can't just send guys out and get and get single trades. Because, for instance, he had some small Tyranid Warrior squads, and there's 75 points apiece, man. You can't be sending out, you know, 150, 200-point unit and not get your points out of that. And it's a hard, hard decisions that you have to make because you almost have to keep baiting your opponent into overcommitting just a little bit so you can use that space wolf damage to punch up and get multiple things every time that you use it. Yeah, and I, I do think that's where I made the mistake and lost myself the game because, you know, people, I told you people were walking by the table and like, you know, oh my God, space wolves are here on top table while you're doing the thing. And I was like, yeah, I'm doing the thing, you know, and getting <laughs> into it. And uh, apparently I wasn't doing the thing good enough. You know, that's that's basically... So all I had on that side of the board for the scouring was in my back build. I, of course, I had my, my uh, cyber wolves holding down the corners. And uh, I had put my infiltrators up towards the center because I was worried about with all the gaunt he had and all the small, like, objective security units he had, um, maintaining that stranglehold in the center, maintaining that oath. So I had infiltrators out there just to keep some offset on that center objective. So I had in my backfield basically what was left at that point in the game was Eradicators and uh, Blade Guard. And I kept my Eradicators kind of in the center of the board and I had Blade Guard on both the back backside objectives and No Man's Land. And he came down with the Warriors and went up and tagged the objective and I got greedy. And instead of thinking like, you know, maybe I could shift this way and just wait for him to come to the wall and I can interrupt or something like that, I went right at his Warriors. And uh, when I killed his Warriors, I put them out there in the open and then uh, they got some shooting put out of them. and then the other warriors came up and did them in so I started trucking eradicators over there because I was thinking like okay eradicators can go there and hold down an objective now and shot them at the warriors the three warriors that were left and left the one alive then he charged the eradicator and moved the warriors into the backfield because a lot of games, I mean, a ton of my wins and losses, you know, you realize that one that one move that you did, and a lot of, again, you, you got eight points. You know, in a seven-point game, you, eight, you gave up eight points on one move. But I like the, the fact that you immediately realize that, though. That's a big deal, though. You know what I mean? Because now, I like that because I hate leaving a game and you don't know exactly what you could have done. You know what I mean? You're looking at that, and any besides anything else that you could have, should have, would have, you could have at least put that i'm just getting so many happy faces on this where you're getting you could at least know that move which is man if i could change one thing bam right there there is your win i love knowing that and that's the thing i think about you know space range right now where they're at is you don't have a big margin for error 
you know, and so when you make those mistakes, you need to know because, you know, I joke with my buddies saying like, I might make it once or twice, but I'm not going to do it a third time. So like what happened there isn't going to happen again on tape. Cause I remember like how that moment felt when I saw what was going down and realizing like I pretty much manhandled a tyranid army and still lost the game just cause I just still stuff out on that. I was pissed at myself, you know, good on my opponent capitalized, like good on Jason. Like, you know, it was, he saw the opening and he did the thing and, and good for him, but I, I could have prevented it, treated it differently. And I, and I, and I wish I would have next time I will. Who are you playing on this one? Who was your opponent? Jason Mert. Okay. Uh, he murdered the field besides Bam Bam. He did. He was crushing everybody else. And uh, honestly, until the last turn, the turn before last, I thought I had that game. And it was funny seeing people that were walking by the game, looking at it, looking at the board state, looking at the scoreboard. They were coming up to me afterwards and like congratulate me. And I was like, no, I, I didn't. It got away from me. Mm, that's tough. It, it is. Can, I mean, they're tough, though. I mean, that, there's, a number, there's a reason that the number one army in the game. It's not even close. Yeah. You know what I mean? So and they have a lot of things <laughs> and a lot of ways to do damage. So yeah. uh, going looking at the tournament in 2020 hindsight, what would you change in your list if you were going to go there tomorrow? What do you What do you change in your list? Everything's the same. There's no new FAQs. There's no everything's the same with the rules. What are you bringing right now in your wolf's list? I don't know if I need two units of eradicators. I think I have one, and I keep them where they need to go left or right. Three eradicators is enough to kill, you know, most airplanes, most harpies. You know, if if you do it right. And with jump pack wolf guard and then jump pack chapter master, I can usually get whatever I need to get out of this guy. So probably go down to one unit of eradicators. Blade guard, I like them. I think blade guard are super, super tough, but I struggled with a couple things. I felt like I ran out of CP pretty quick, which if you guys saw I'm a starting CP, I had five. Oh, yeah, geez. So you didn't, you didn't have a lot going in. <laughs> yeah. So I was already, you know, playing in hard mode before the game even got going. And usually I always tried to save at least one to heroic intervene and two to interrupt so I can get a key interrupt, which a lot of times I don't interrupt Wolfen because, you know, you just, you just don't. You're just like, they're going to pay for it anyways. So you just let that one go down. But our for us and two for like a key interrupt, I, I usually tried to save, save that. But I always found like turn four or turn five, I wish I had like one or two more points. So I think what I'm going to do is drop the blade guard. I might try and squeeze another unit of uh, wolf guard. So I have three units of jump backs. And uh, I might go uh, with armor attempt. I might try some double wolf claws. And then, uh, or well, whatever they're like, claws now. I got to use spaceman codex. But, and then maybe a hammer on start. And just if I need to, I can do sad strike plus one to wound, three rolling claws, you know, with the bucket of tacks and exploding sixes. I do like the the born heroes. Um, I've tried playing around with warded because of all the model wounds out there. But being, being able to hit on threes with thunder hammers and being able to hit with uh, twos with jack master with thunder hammers um, is, is pretty solid. And uh, the games I've played without it, I miss hitting on better numbers. I believe like, that for sure. I have a hard enough time for well, I mean, it's so nice, though, because when you're looking at that, you're actually, because a lot of times you're going to be double scooping. You're going to scoop everything. If you have full rerolls, it's not a six. And it's nice when. When you're either even on your fade, you know, when you don't get that six and you reroll all your successes, people are looking at you like a crazy person because you're a greedy bastard. And yeah. you, you still hit most of your attacks anyway. So you usually you come out mathematically ahead uh, almost all the time anyways. So having that born heroes does make a big difference in that for sure. Yeah, 
and I know it's like the chaplain. If the if the chaplain went in with chapter master rerolls, you know, he hits on twos naturally. But if I rerolled all the sixes, you know, even missing one or two, I still wound up with twelve or thirteen attacks most times. So it was, you know, and then having the the wolf lord or wolf captain hit on twos with that thunder hammer stove uh, in case he had chapter master himself, uh, you know, and then the wolf and hit on threes is nice because they just aren't as efficient on fours. So I, I'm definitely keeping the board heroes, but I do want at least another unit two or bobsec. So I might be going to a battalion, moving to a battalion, uh, having small guard, dropping the blade guard, dropping the unit of eradicators, and probably might just add, you know, like a couple units of assault and intercessors so they can do things like banners easier if I want to have already as an option. Um, the space rules outflank is pretty good because you can come up on any board inch. Um, there's there's the the space wolves outflank like I can pop up in a deployment zone for R&D, which you know the regular reserves can't do that. So it's huge uh, on that because you can come off anything. I like that. I do like that a yeah. lot. Both the space wolves and the uh, white scars one are both really really nice because you can jump out of anywhere. Yeah, so that's that'd be the big changes. I drop units of eradicators, probably getting rid of the blade guard. I'm gonna move to a battalion and uh, bring a couple more units of offset so I can kind of flex. On secondaries because some missions i realized i you know I, I got a little too repetitive what i could or couldn't pick and there was times i wish i had units to spare for rd you know so i could at least try and get that 12 um but rd was like off the table for that yeah because everybody's doing something <laughs> there was no yeah, there's every, nobody that had was, a job. <laughs> yeah everybody had a job like there, there's yeah. no uh loafing off here there's nobody just standing around loitering getting rd you gotta get on that yeah, so that'd be the that'd be the big ones. But uh, I'm open to advice, man. If if someone sees some holes or sees something too, I'm always about hearing and trying. With knights, with marines, man, I, I'm a big speeder fan. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. The the scout speeder is especially with knights coming out. The weird thing is, is like you, man, your army pounds knights though. It's so weird though, because you have to you have to wait and make sure you have every buff on those guys before you go in. But man, the, the double exploding sixes. I mean. Just one of your characters might actually YOLO and knock you by himself. The, the chaplain, I play some practice games versus knights. The chaplain can. Um, if I get a unit of Wolfen and the chapter master into a knight, it's gone. Armagers still stand a chance. Like those yeah, they, well, the Armagers, you, you basically just accidentally turn off. Yeah. But the, yeah. The big guys, though, man, I was just, I was just thinking of the stats on it because you got to think that what's going to come out in the meta. I mean, anytime you get new books, you're just going to see a bunch of that. So, yeah. like for instance, going into uh, I decided last minute I'm going to ACO, and you got to look at those. You're like I just assume I'm going to see some knights because well, the books just came out. Whatever, whatever just came out, somebody's playing. Because yeah, <laughs> so well I've noticed even with the with the knights, you know, shut down rerolls or having like a trans ability, uh, I still have enough dice going at them with whirlwind or rage if I can get into my super doctrine that uh, it's it's not too big of a factor that I'm still destroying. So. What would you think right now is your your toughest match and the thing that you're thinking about teching into because of the fact that it's such a tough match? So in a lot of ways, I'm probably not going to tech into it because I'm, I'm going to have faith in the data slate and, and chapter approved because I do like that we're a place where GW is actively trying to get into the game as far as doing those things. So I'm going to have faith that like a data slate is going to do things like touch on 25 points, touch on what the mouse after does. And, uh, so I'm not going to necessarily worry too much about teching into Tyranids. Hell of Doom, I, I have struggled against Hell of Doom in my practice games with my buddies. I'm going to have to, you know, even if it's just a unit or two of like great hunters with bolters, you know, I might try and add some bolters into something and outflank them 
because you know elves do not have volumes. I was just want to say, uh, yeah. our our natural enemy, a volume of crappy shots. <laughs> yeah, oh no, so, banana peels. Um, <laughs> I'm, I, you know, I, I might think of you know something like some, you know, some sky claws or something with you know bolt pistols and chain swords that are you know pretty cheap points that I you know throw at elf units. You know, might be a way. The, I think the worst matchup I have currently is uh, outside of the nids is Hell of Doom. Uh, I struggled. I mean, you know, it's last weekend I had another GT, which I didn't do as well. I did four and two of Buggy here. And uh, round uh, round two, I played the Hell of Doom list and beat it pretty soundly. And round three, I went into a Necron list, and that Necron player beat. So I was like, what was he was playing? Like, Oh man, it's a good list. Uh, it's one of the Rolling Sixes. His first name is Brandon. I can't remember his last name, but he had like that Silent King list with a whole bunch of destroyers, and then like these close combat units that were offsec. And the offsec really screwed me. And uh, that's one of the reasons I want to make some of the changes and have like some of those offsec units can at least you know touch while the Wolf Guard are out there doing what the Wolf Guard do, or while the Wolfen are doing what they're doing. You know, to be able to have an offsec unit just throw in on an objective. I can see that too. Also, you don't have to really commit so much to stranglehold and stuff like that, or, or right. sink it in. I, I mean, I, 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 you're preaching to the choir in that. I'm, I'm the king of the trash, so yeah. <laughs> I only bring trash armies. You're like, there's so many people on my army that go, aren't we supposed to get armor and a weapon? Yeah, 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 man. Go, yeah. <laughs> you, you'll, you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Go stand over there. Nothing will happen bad to you, I swear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was, you know, I was teasing around with the ideas of uh, of building a Blood Angels list because there was some stuff I think I could play in Blood Angels that kind of fits my style. But the longer and longer I think about it, it's like, man, I probably just need to ride the Space Wolves train out for the rest of the season and see where I wind up because I am on a pretty good run. Yeah. And uh, I'm getting pretty sure. good codex in the book. And the and, thing uh, is, they-, they both have a lot of really good things. I mean, it's it's hard to lead through when you when you talk about Space Wolves versus Blood Angels, which, which bangs harder. It really depends what you're banging into because it is nice yeah. with the Space Wolves, especially with rerolls. I mean, it's just totally crazy time when you go, hey, how often? What's your hit percentage for Thunder Hammers? You're like, uh, about 118%. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're like, what? Well, yeah, that's actually what it is. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Oh. Well, you know, if you told me at the first of the season that I got the best overall GT, you know, I'd have probably laughed at you. And uh, I've got a lot of GTs left in the season, so I'm going to see if I can repeat it now. Or at least keep podium, you know, keep on the podium with those and, and have a respectful showing. So. I do. I asked a little bit weird before we were on the air. And it's something that's near and dear to my heart, even though I'm not a model and everybody knows the kind of nonsense I usually bring out and bring around. But what are your thoughts on having a more robust, I guess, overall circuit for paint hobby basically? The you hobby know track how I basically. feel. I know you feel, but I want to bring it up to you. I want to bring it up to somebody else that also bangs, but also paints. You know what I mean? Because Can you reword the first part of that question. I didn't hear. I'm sorry. What do you think about how basically your kind of recommendations or what you would try to do if you were running to get a more, I guess, robust? You want to? I want to be more noticed, more recognizable. Hobby track. Even I don't. I hate calling it a hobby track because I love the overall. Yeah. Because for both of us, played for a long time, and the overall just was the the big award. It wasn't the other award. Do you know what I mean? Do you you want to know? So here's what I think about it. I think it would be amazing if we could get one that would get a little traction. Um, But I I think there are some things that will prevent it that are kind of just the symptom or the, the symptoms of the way the meta works. You know, if so, let's like I mentioned the the data slate earlier. 
and the and balance. You know, I know it's impossible to balance this game. Like I think all of us played long enough to know that it is impossible to balance this game, you know, to the level that people wish it was balanced at. So with that being stipulated, I, I do think that we could have all the books be like roughly on the same wavelength instead of having this and then like a spike with these couple books, and then back down here and these guys are trash. And some of the early books I think suffer so much. And some of the armies that people do love the hobby with. You know, when when my army that I love to hobby with or I love to paint with is trash, you know, I'm not going to do that for a GT. You know, and I've played, you know, I've played Tyranids at a, at a tournament. I've played Eldar tournament. And when I'm trying to get those models done, you know, I don't give a fuck about them because it's not my main army. So, like, I'm slapping three colors on them. <laughs> you putting Elgrillian Earth on them, you know, and they look horrible, <laughs> but they're not going to get pulled whenever I'm, you know, the judge walks fast. Right. And I think if the game got to a state where all the books felt like they could tread water at the same level and guys like me who love their space wolves or guys like, uh, Oh, Steven Vanguard tactics that loves his blood angels. You know, the guys that have their armies that they truly love, you know, can like, uh, Oh, is it, I can wish I could remember his last name. Legalized mission, uh, beautiful blood angels army out of California. That dude loves his blood. Angels. You know, if you could get to where all these books, to tread water at the same rate, I think you would see guys pick up their hot skill because they, they, they don't have to worry about chasing the meta and still winning and enjoying the game. And you can say what you want. You know, I could show up with the, the most beautiful army in the world and win best painted. I'm not going to have fun all weekend if I'm getting my butt kicked. No, I give you that. And the hey, thing, is, you know, and the thing is, it's on that. I, I actually, I think there's, it's two part though. I think that you have to have enough models in your faction that you have to be able to chase, not chase them. That's way wrong. I always say adapt. don't chase, adapt, adapt. to the meta. You, you got to be aware of, don't chase the meta, be aware of the meta is my catchphrase for that. But if all the factions were viable, you could do that and still be on the hobby scene too, because you'd be expanding your already large selection of things that you're bringing because you are that's your that's your your jam. You know what I mean? So yeah, well, I'm yeah, pretty I, lucky. Like you, you look, you walk in my house, and I got IKEA cases full of you know every space will you you know twos and threes of them, and I'm like the executioner on Thor. You know, I'm like behold my things. You know. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, so, like, I can adapt, you know, when I need another unit of eradicators, I got them in my case. When I need, you know, some assault intercessors, I've already got them painted in the case. They're ready to go. And uh, so I kind of have that luxury. And I've also got throwaway money because my kids are growing. I don't have to be responsible anymore. <laughs> you know, so, you know, that makes it easier for me. And I think hobby and be able to play the army that I want to and stay competitive within the meta. But some guys don't, you know, and if I feel like their main army was was ready to go and could be good, I think a lot of guys would spend more time painting their stuff, make it look right. You know, because we've seen the trash tournaments. We see what guys get away with. And, you know, there's... Brad, I don't know if you ever played fantasy. Did you ever play fantasy back oh, in the yeah. day? Oh, I did too. I, I remember back in the day thinking like the fantasy guys were so much better at the hobby than like the 40K guys. Because like the, the 40K guys were just slapping paint on boulders. Yeah. The fantasy and, guys are like running water on their display boards. And stuff. <laughs> <laughs> just like, <laughs> just like, like fountains yeah. of angels spitting. Right. You know, mm. and, yeah. Yeah. I just, and, I, really, uh, I loved it. Back when I, I started playing, I literally started playing 40k and fantasy basically at the same time because they were playing them at the store and I just picked both of them up. But uh, I did love some fantasy. I, and the thing is, is that I just miss 
I miss everybody having to bring at least the basics, display board and your little piece of fluff and stuff like that. Maybe I'm looking at it with rose-colored glasses, which there's all kinds of problems with other things. But I do miss a little bit of everybody actually caring about yeah. the display. Like, let's be honest, I'm not going to lie, I, because I'm, I know I'm not going to win overalls and stuff like that a lot of times with the armies I bring. I don't even care. I don't even get my paint, my, my, uh, my army judged for paint because it doesn't matter because... I'm only going for battle points, but now the battle points are the tournament. You know, win loss yeah. is the tournament. And I don't have a 100% like a saying that that's better. You know, people are going to throw tomatoes at me for saying that I should give uh, paint should count for, you know, the overall winner or the just the but winner. Said, but that, that's, you nailed it earlier. I think it, it might have been part one said it that, you know, if we, if we, I think if the TOs started putting some respect on the best overall. Like I remember, like you went to a fantasy tournament back in the day. That best overall was the coveted one because yeah. you got all the shit. You yeah, know, it's, and uh, the guy with, that was the best general usually had like some shit army he cobbled together two weeks before <laughs> because yeah. there was like three broken things in it that he could take advantage of. And, and so everybody like put a little bit more respect on that guy that got best overall because he spent the time hobbying the army. You know, they knew he wasn't chasing the meta. They knew he put work into all aspects of the hobby. And I know that sounds silly here talking about a competitive podcast about playing better 40K, but I think if you can maintain winning and having a sense of the pride and about how you did it and other people could put the importance into it as well, uh, that's kind of contagious. You know, people pick up on it. And uh, but the TOs kind of have to start with that. It's it's got to be the tournament's place and the value on that. You know, we can we can do it all day as players. If the tournaments don't respect it, they just don't. Well, let me let me just say this real fast. If I'd bet, bet money before this episode that you, Bam Bam, were an empty nester, the bank would be coming to take my house right now. Really? Oh yeah, absolutely. No, no way. I would have guessed. I was, I'm like, I got, oh, Bam. I was like, Bam Bam's like thirty. He's he's, he's a young buck. I got grandkids, man. I got a grandson, granddaughter. Grandkids. Uh, yeah, my oldest daughter is 26. My youngest daughter is 22. What's your grandpa name? Uh, I am Bampa. Bampa. Oh, no, no. That's so good. I love I, that. I tried to get Grandpa Deathblade, but that uh, that wasn't going to stick. Oh, I know. I know the name of my episode. This episode is getting named Bampa. There's no way that it's named anything else except for Bampa. Oh, the Bampa of the Wolves. Oh, my gosh. Go. <laughs> Run that down. I, I'm officially a long thing, so I'm right there with you, baby. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's beautiful. Well, thanks for coming on, man. We loved having you. We got to get you on more often. And uh, I'm going to see you in September, man. I'm excited to come join yep. you. I know. Good, uh, and uh, Brad, I'm giving you my drink tickets, man. Get the monkey. I'm 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 going there. Okay. I'm already in. Okay. You had me at free drinks at happy hour. <laughs> fly in, hey, fly into Arkansas the the day before. Play some games with me. And then we'll play some games. We'll if you, if you just, he keeps trying to like convince me that like Arkansas is on the way to places that I should fly in. It's, and then it's, a, drive it's a like passover state, man. It's all the way to everything. <laughs> it's a flyover state, man. You gotta... like, I don't think you want a map, bro. <laughs> Arkansas, I think, is like five or six hours from me. So yeah, Blake like might be being legit on this one. Yeah, <laughs> it's not. It's not that far, man. It's actually pretty. It's a. It's a. It's like a work and then drive the next drive that well, night kind of thing. For well, me. I'm going to end this by the way on my Rocky Top story to tell me to drive down to Rocky Top. I didn't even know where Rocky Top was, where it was being held, because I paid no attention to anything, because I'm a child. And they had just told me that it was like five hours away or less. And then we get in the car, and it is not even remotely that close. Plus, we got stuck. 
in like terrible raid. So Dude, Tennessee's like 10 hours long. It's like the longest yeah. state. And they're like, yeah, man, like if we went 90, we could get there in five hours. Where was but, it? What city was it in? It was in Knoxville. Oh, yeah. That's, a, that's, that's, a Knoxville. that's like South uh, Tennessee, isn't it? Yeah. I'm just yeah. like, I'm, we're cruising it. I'm just like, hey, man, I feel like you guys lied to me. They're like, eh, you probably wouldn't have won if we would have told you the truth. <laughs> And we know you're too lazy to look up where we were going. So yeah, cool. <laughs> so, well, thanks for just, joining us, man. We'll uh, we're we're gonna see you. Me and Brad are gonna see you in September. So I look forward to, right, uh, hey, to playing some games, man. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. Anytime. You might have a plug monkey real quick for about. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Give it one more go, man. www.flyingmonkeycon.com. Uh, September 23rd through the 25th. We should be, like I said, 120 some players this year, and uh, we have a good tournament every year. Good time. Uh, come out and get some of that Midwest hospitality, and uh, hopefully we'll see y'all. And I'll be getting that info from him, and I'll, I'll plug it in the comments down below. So make sure to check it out and come to MonkeyCon. Thanks for listening. Like what you just listened to? Check out Art of War and the Art of War Down Under podcast on the competitive 40K network. The Art of War 40K.com. <laughs>